You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I am here. Aaron is here. Tommy is here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Just a few days left uh, on Window Nation's best deal of the summer, so stay tuned for that. We're going to get to Trent Williams here in a moment, but I just asked you a question right before we started recording the podcast because I could not get into my um, my email account for some reason, and I was putting in the password that I thought was the password, but it wouldn't open it up, and something was wrong, and then eventually it worked. But I said to you, I've gotten to the point where I have so many logins and so many different passwords, I find myself twice a week, once a week, definitely, say requesting a password change because I've forgotten a password to get into some sort of, of account that I have. And you have the same problem. Well, yeah, I, I'm going through it right now. Listen, I have uh, I have uh, a radio station a- account. Uh, I have a Georgetown account. Professor Rivero. Uh, and uh, I have a Washington Times account. I never sign into that, you know. And I have AOL email. I have Yahoo email. I have Gmail. Why do you have so many email accounts? Email. Oh, you, you're up to something. No, I'm not. You got three different email accounts. Yeah, but plus two your of them work say email Tom, account. Two of them, two of them say Tom Lavera. So I mean, it's I'm not I, hiding I, from anybody. I've got your personal one, which right. doesn't say Tom Lavera. No, it doesn't. But a lot of people know that. I've had that one for since I've ever had so, an AOL account. Okay. Ted Leonsis once said when when he liked me. That he thought it was one of the greatest emails in the history of AOL, <laughs> and I'm not giving it out here. No, I don't want to be. Let's just say inundated. it has something to do with one of your favorite performers of yes. all time. Yes, let's just say that. So I agree with you. I'm going through that right now with Georgetown because I'm about to teach in the fall, and the contract they send you is through their email account, and it's very. And, and when I go to sign on, my old uh, password is it doesn't work anymore. So I try to set the new password, and they give you this exercise oh, yeah. where you have to look at pictures. Tell me how many cars right. are in this picture. Oh, yeah, all of that oh, to, to get into man, something. I hate it oh, it's because the worst. I, well, I you, always get it wrong. Well, you can't see. Yes. So that's a problem for you. And even if you could see, you're not very good at sort of picking out the no. nuances of a picture. No, so, so then I get locked out. <laughs> so then I have to call you know, and, and, and deal with, with so the password true. people. So yeah, it it's it's it, these are the problems. Twenty first century problems. There has to be. I'm sure someone is going to tweet both of us and tell us that there's some app or something on your phone that saves all of your passwords and is secure, and you can just use it that way. But but there's no such thing but as I secure. W- yeah, I guess. I not not on your phone. No. Or on your Fitbit. I was told by the way recently. You don't have a Fitbit. No, Aaron, do you I have don't... a Fitbit? No. I was told recently by somebody who... What, do you have a Fitbit for show? No, actually, I, I have it because <laughs> since I've been in this mode of trying to lose some weight, I'm counting my steps every day. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Trying to get somewhere around 12,000 steps every day. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to it's get It's hard it. to yeah. get... You got... I mean, for me, for who walks slow, <laughs> I mean, there was a time where I was hitting 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. That was a, that was a time commitment. Well, I, yeah, I, would, I was going to say maybe your target should be somewhere in the three to 5,000 <laughs> steps per day range. But I was told by somebody who would know, who works in, let's just say, intelligence, that they can learn a lot about you through your Fitbit. 
a lot. There's a lot going on in this thing. Now you know my philosophy that they can on, learn on this about you from. Yeah, I don't care what they know about me. Well, why do you have three email accounts then? Well, because uh, I needed something besides the AOL account that would have my name on it. How many burner social media accounts? I have, do you have? no burner social media accounts. I don't hide behind anything. <laughs> so the Yahoo account was the account to basically, you know, have something with my name attached to it right. that I could send out for business. And then there was the Yahoo S storm that happened, you know, when they were compromised and somebody said you should get a Gmail account. So I got a Gmail account then, but I still use the Yahoo account as well. So that's why I have three. I think that I've had the Yahoo account forever for personal and then Obviously, when we were at the radio station, and you probably have one now, I had an email address there, although that got to be unwieldy, if you recall. Yes. Because it just, you would get emails from people within the company, but then they would send all of the show email yeah. to that address, and then everything else got lost. But anyway, I, I guess I've had this Yahoo account forever. I mean, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years? Is that possible at this point? Sure it is. Yeah. Yahoo, more than 20 years. And everybody says, Yahoo, who's still using Yahoo email? Well, if you get that, imagine what I get when people see I have an AOL email. Oh, yeah. But I, I, almost everybody I know has a Gmail, but I don't want to change it because this is how people contact yes. me. Yeah. So I have two emails. The second one, the, G, the three emails, the Gmail was because people said, well, Yahoo's all messed up. You need to get a Gmail account. And then whatever was going on with Yahoo seemed to settle down, so I've kept it, and I, I use both of them. You know <sighs> what? I, I Like I said, I don't care what anybody knows about me. I, I don't, really I don't, don't. I don't really care either, but I don't want to lose money via yeah, a, a, yeah, an email I don't account. Want, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to compromise my family somehow no, through, but, through but my email account. My life... Uh, is is a open pornography book. <laughs> I don't know if it's completely open based on my familiarity By with By the you. way, you but, know, that's a great day. Isn't it a great day? Here's why I know it was a great day. As I was getting out of the car, I looked down, and there on my leg was still one big piece of pretzel salt sitting there on my pants. I mean, a really nice piece. That's what you ate on the way in? So I had that, and I said, wow, this is my. I should buy a lottery ticket today. Uh, by the way, back to passwords for just a moment. Do you have a general theme to your passwords? How many different passwords? Because I come up with different passwords for every account. I'm not going to use the same password for every account. But do you have a general theme or a general approach to them? You know, family, uh, you don't have to get specific, but are they sports teams related? Probably not with you. I know I know one of your email accounts is a musician you're very fond of. Or do you just come up with something new every every time that's just you, you completely know, random? You know how creative I am. You're not. That's the problem. I come up with something new all the time. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of them. I just have to remember key numbers, key jersey numbers. <laughs> that's the key for me. <laughs> all right. Um, we're going to get to the NBA Finals, even though... Apparently, according to Tommy, most of you don't care. Um, we'll also get to the Nats, who are legitimately um, as hot as anybody in baseball right now. But the story around these parts is Trent Williams. And the story on Tuesday afternoon started with Ian Rappaport saying that he wasn't at minicamp because he wants a new deal. And then that story got updated yesterday by Jason Lockenfora with CBS. 
Jason tweeted out, quote, Trent Williams' issues with the Skins are not financial at all, according to numerous sources with knowledge of the situation. He's told teammates he has demanded a trade or his release from the club due to their handling of his recent medical situation. Has vowed not to play for them. That was from Jason Lockenfora yesterday. Now, presumably, the re- the recent medical situation in question, and this has been reported after uh, Jason's initial tweet got this whole thing going yesterday, is the tumor that was on Trent's scalp that for a moment there, doctors were concerned could be malignant, but thankfully it turned out to be benign, and he is healthy, and he, he had it taken care of surgically. Now, how specifically it was handled by the team and why this upset Williams so much is a bit unclear, but Gruden, Tommy, said the following. He said, I know he's frustrated. Anytime you have something done, a procedure like that, of that magnitude, you want to find the reason. You wish something maybe could have been done differently or different timing, but our doctors are very good. I know they did the best they can. I mean, they have plenty of degrees. (laughs) I know they did the right thing in their mind, and I know Trent's probably frustrated, closed quote. Now, if this is mostly about medical, which let me just say up front now, because we're going to get to this um, collectively, um, I don't know and I don't think I believe that it's all about the medical. But if it is the reason, medical, he wouldn't be the first to be skeptical about the Skins medical and training staff. Let's not forget that someone on the Skins training staff left a laptop with medical records of everybody on the team and everybody that came through the Indy Combine between the years 2004 and 2016 in his car, and it was stolen in 2016. That did not make anybody happy in the organization, in the league, or players. I was told, Tommy, that one of the reasons Trent doesn't show up for OTAs usually and other non-mandatory team things, sessions, is that he's more comfortable and trusting of his trainers and doctors versus the teams. He's not the only one, I was told. Morgan Moses, by the way, stuck up for him yesterday. He said, quote, "Quote, it's about time someone like that stands up. It's not just a situation here. It happens throughout the league. To have one of our peers like Trent stand up like that means a lot. His scare is one you never want to have, but you've got to take care of yourself, closed quote. Again, that's more vague than specific, but it is backing him up. It, it does back him up, and Jay sort of backed up the report. Yes, I he mean, did. Basically, Jay, Jay didn't say, I don't know what that's about. He acknowledged that there's something going on there right? involving uh, Trent's uh, frustration over, over the way his situation was handled. So, I mean, Jay sort of confirmed that, look, there's so many components to this. We we'll don't get, know. We'll get to all of them. We don't know if Trent is upset uh, with the with a misdiagnosis. We don't know if Trent is upset uh, with the way with the with after the diagnosis, how he was handled. We, we, we don't know exactly what Trent Williams problem is at, so with with the doctors at this point. You know, when, when the, the initial thing, when the initial report came out that he was un, he was unhappy and stayed away, you and I, without being together, had the same kind of thoughts. When you go through a cancer scare, for many people, it's kind of a life-changing experience. And I was thinking, you know, maybe what when he went through that, he sat down and said, you know, I only got so much time left in my career, 
do I want to waste it with this organization? And if I do, do I want to do I want to at least get paid for it? You know, so I thought in a way the cancer thing was connected to the financial issue because of maybe an awakening to realize that uh, his clock is ticking on his career uh, because that's when an event like that will do to you. I had no idea it was going to be uh, because he was unhappy with the way the medical mm-hmm. staff actually handled him. So I want to go back to something you just said before the last part of what you said. Because how they handled it, you, you started to lay out a couple of potential reasons. And one just popped into my mind that, you know, if you read the Morgan Moses quote, which I just read, um, the, the end of that is his scare is one you never want to have, but you've got to take care of yourself. So maybe it was misdiagnosed to begin with. Maybe the timing or how aggressive they were to get to it wasn't to his liking. Maybe, maybe... They scared him unnecessarily because the report that came out um, about this surgery in April, which was a report in May, I think, maybe early May, maybe it was late April. I forget when it was, but it was after the surgery had taken place with, by the way, the, the, you know, the result of it, which is it was benign and everything's right. fine. But perhaps he was scared unnecessarily. You know, hey, this could be malignant, man. This could be really serious. We got to get in there and look at it rather than with a 31-year-old pro athlete who is, you know, healthy as a horse, and I'm not talking about injury-wise, and saying, look, you you got something there. You got a growth on on your scalp. We got to go in there and we got to cut it out and take a look at it just to make sure everything's okay. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to play, you know, bedside manner here, but... You know, there could be a lot of reasons yes, there could. that he could be have have been really upset. Um, but I and this could be a cumulative effect. It could be more than just a one time thing. It's more than likely a cumulative effect. I did think yesterday though that the the scare in combination with all of the leverage he has right now, because they don't have much along the offensive line to replace him with. Um, that, you know, that it probably was more about trying to grab one last contract extension while the getting was good because he's got as much leverage right now as he'll ever have. You know, he, if they, they didn't have a sense of him wanting a new deal before the draft, that was probably in his benefit not to let them know that so that they wouldn't take a left tackle early or, you know, in, in the early portions of the draft. But, um, you know, I just thought it was leverage because I thought yesterday, well, if it's about getting out of here, he would have just, the report would have said he wants to be traded yes, and get a contract extension. And that's not what Rappaport's uh, story or tweet said. Now, Jason's says that he, he has vowed never to he's play vowed for not to play again. for them. All right. So let me, let me get to a couple of things based on just a few conversations that I had um, yesterday. For, first, real quickly, you know, on the medical thing. You know, there's been a lot about the Redskins' medical situation. Not just, I'm not talking about the injuries of the last two years, but, you know, is it coincidence as an example that both quarterbacks who broke legs needed follow up surgeries because of infections? Is it, is it? In fact, Colt McCoy was probably rushed on the field uh, to rush back to try to get him to play in December and needed two more surgeries after that. Uh, may have been, or maybe Colt said, I want to be available for this the, the final game yeah. or in, in a potential playoff game. I'm not sure anyone but the key people involved really know if the Skins trainers and doctors are competent or 
you know, competent enough or not. Larry Hess is the head trainer. He oversees the team's athletic training and medical needs. He's been a Snyder guy for 17, 18 years now. I mean, and he, I believe he was the guy that, that had the laptop in the car that got stolen with all of those records. And, but anyway. And let me just point out, uh, on, under the Surgeon General's warning, an addendum to that is anyone who works for Dan Snyder for 17 years, you have to question their competence and ability. Um, we've had that conversation before. I do not disagree with that. I mean, it. You know, there can be lots of reasons you'd want to stay employed by right. this franchise. It's, it's a nice Could be place home, to live. Great place to live. Your, your family, your kids up. are growing up. But you know, this is what I've said about guys like Eric Schaefer before. If he's so brilliant, why is, hasn't he gotten a job as the team president or general manager in another organization? Because yeah. that's not been his title here. Um, all right, I wanted to get to this because putting the medical aside, I I believe Tommy that this is not solely about medical. I think it's, you know, I think Trent wants a new deal. I think he recognizes the leverage he has right now and wants to take advantage of it because he's 31 years old and he's got one great deal left. And by the way, uh, I be- I believe now and I didn't yesterday that he does want a new deal somewhere else. Perhaps the medical thing is a cover or maybe it's just part of a long list of reasons that he's ready to move on from here. But I think reasons aside, he wants a new deal, doesn't think he'll get it from this team, from Bruce, and is ready to move on and get it from somebody else. By the way, as an aside, I apologize to the few of you that have bought into the notion that the organization has somehow overnight become more stable yes. because of a perceived yes. good draft. You know, many Think about this. Many players, coaches, and others in the organization all right, are not fond of it and and understand it's dysfunctional. There were two coaches who bolted in the offseason for lateral positions. You know, not not upgrades, lateral moves. The team the team hired two coaches who were out of retirement and one who wasn't in the league or has never coached in the NFL because nobody wanted those available jobs. They couldn't hire a defensive coordinator, which is why Minuski is still here. Anyway, the reputation of the franchise is what it's been. It's bad. Hasn't changed because of the draft. People in it that have no other place to go feel that way, and certainly people outside of the organization feel that way. Um, by the way, just as an aside, keep an eye on this Brandon Sheriff situation. I- I've heard that the team's first offer was low. I've mentioned that before, and that Sheriff and his agent would love to get to free agency next year. Now, the Skins could franchise him yeah. next year. That works well for them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, now, some of you tweeted me yesterday, and I-, I appreciate the compliment, because you asked me if the Trent Williams situation was the situation I was referring to with Tommy a week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, when I said there's something else brewing inside the walls of Ashburn that's not real good. I was not referring to the Trent Williams situation. <laughs> I wish I were because that, that would right. kill two birds with one stone, but it's actually, um, it, 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 I, refer, I was referring to something else, and it's more in the personnel scouting area, an issue that stems from Snyder overruling the board on the first day of the draft. Anyway, um, I think the team should be actively in the business right now of trying to trade uh, trade Trent Williams. I, I felt that way even before this offseason. Waiting until August and maybe a contender gets desperate could work to their benefit. It could. But they need to actively begin the process of trading Trent but, Williams. But what do they do this year then? Kevin, Kevin, the owner's brand new young quarterback just bought a Bentley, mm-hmm. okay? 
If Trent Williams isn't a left tackle, he should have bought an ambulance. Um, Donald Penn is still out there and available. Cooley always loved Donald Penn. He was a pro bowler two years ago, 36 years old. He's older, but he's a vet. He can, he can play left tackle. When the Raiders signed Brown to the big deal in the offseason, they released Penn. He's still out there looking for the best possible deal. I'd sign him immediately today just to put the pressure on, on Williams, just to, to let him know we got a football season to prepare for, and we drafted Dwayne Haskins at 15 overall, and we're not going to let him get bum-rushed right. over Eric Flowers, which we may have to move to left tackle now. Because remember, Ty Insecki's gone. He signed a deal in Buffalo. But Donald Penn, who Cooley's always been a big fan of, not just because he's a Utah State guy, but he's a three-time Pro Bowler. He's a veteran. He can play left tackle. Sign him today. And then actively mo- try to move Trent Williams for the best possible deal, and and be be patient on it because you know there will be injuries, you know there will be needs in training camp in August, and a contender who thinks they've got a chance to go far and needs a left tackle may be willing to give up a hefty price to get a Trent Williams. Yeah, remember the the situation the Redskins were in with Jason Taylor. You know what was that, uh, Aaron? That was the second, third, and fourth. Kevin, there's only one Dan Snyder out there. Oh, that was yeah. They were on the receiving end of, of of that. I think Trent at 31, even with his injury history, first of all, the team's got to be willing to give him a new deal, more likely than not. But I think it's a second, no less than a second. And if somebody really got desperate, could you get a first for Trent Williams? I don't know. I thought you maybe you could have before the draft and right when the season ended. Um, you know, certainly a second, a combination of like a second and a fourth. Something like that for Trent Williams. And I, I would take it and I would move on. And I would sign somebody like Donald Penn and I would look for other veterans to bring in. Look, he's only going to give you 12. He's going to give you 12 great games. Yeah. They're going to be great. But he, you know, in four of them, he's either going to miss or he's going to be, you know, he's going to be hampered. Yeah. Compromised. Okay. Uh, yesterday, like so many times before, Jay Gruden had to stand before reporters and answer questions that he had no answers to and really wasn't the guy anyone wanted to talk to, you know? And, I mean, he, he was faced with Were this. Were you expecting Bruce to come out and talk? Well, I mean, doesn't Bruce Allen have to show up at, at some point and, and say something, like today? You know why he has to? He won't. It'll be Doug. Doug, Doug will do an interview with Doc or, or somebody and – you know, and probably, I, I mean, I hope he handles it well. Um, but that's what they'll they'll do because they're cowardly. You know, you bring up a, an excellent point. And I was thinking about this when I was listening to Jay Gruden yesterday. There he is in that position again yeah. of not really being the guy that no. made this decision or being the guy that has all the information, even though he is the best front man for the organization by far. Yes. By far, right? Nobody's, no, absolutely. Nobody's more likable in the organization no. than Jay Gruden. But, you know, Bruce just, you know, was out there essentially bathing himself in media appearances after the draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, this is typical of him. Yeah. Like, you get one good thing to happen, and now he's going to go out and shower in it, like doing every possible interview. But then you put some, uh, you know, controversy and something that's uncomfortable, and... He won't speak, and there's no other way to describe it. It The appearance is cowardly. Yes, it is. Of course it is. I mean, it, it's gutless, you know, for, for him not, not to speak to it. 
uh, one way or the other. I mean, because for, for one thing, Jay kept saying it's not a football issue. I would argue that if your best player, who you repeatedly have said is your best player, doesn't trust your medical staff, that's a football issue. And one, and, and according to the report, wants to leave. Yes. <clears throat> so so that that's technically that that is a football issue. I agree. And with here's you. the thing. Here's the thing that that is real troublesome. Even if they trade him, what has happened here, this damage will permeate throughout the locker room. What Trent Williams ha- says to teammates, what he's been through, that will be what teammates believe about the organization if they don't already uh, in that locker room. By the way, on the Bruce Allen thing, what you will get um, from Tony Wiley and other PR people is that we don't, we don't comment on stories um, or medic. It's a medical medical. We, we don't comment on medical issues and we don't respond to tweets. Right. You know the the report. We we don't think the report's even close to true and we don't respond to that. But. Look, again, you know, it was just a month ago that he was out doing as much as he could do to take all of, you know, the backslapping over yeah. the draft. So come out and just say, look, we've got a situation with Trent Williams. He's frustrated. We're upset about it as well. He is one of our best players. He's one of our best leaders. And we don't want anything other than Trent Williams to play football for the Washington Redskins in 20, uh, 2019. But we've got to sort through some things with him. Much of it is confidential right now, and we can't share all of the details with with all of you. But we are working on it, and we we like Trent a lot, and we want it to work out. And that's that. Just something like that. Even if it's Bruce putting out a statement, because he doesn't want to sit there in front of you know the media and answer questions unless they're talking about you know how great the draft was. But the, he should say something. It shouldn't be left to Jay or Doug. No, it shouldn't. And here's what else should happen. If he doesn't, then the media, uh, the hard-hitting media that covers the team, should basically pound them every chance Jay Gruden, Bruce Allen, or Doug Williams makes any kind of public appearance anywhere about Trent Williams if this thing continues. Your first, your last, your middle question should be about Trent Williams. No more questions about the rookie quarterback. No no more carrying water for this organization. No more being the house organ for the Redskins. You've been embarrassed enough. They embarrassed you yesterday with, 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 with this incident because they made you look like fools. You do not like our local media that covers the team at all. Um, not all of them. As I've said many, many times over, this is why I've always laughed at the notion that Mike had. Mike had felt the same way. Shanahan, this is a tough media market. Well, that's because you were in Denver. Yeah. You know, Jay Gruden, this is a brutal media market. Well, that's because you were in Cincinnati. I mean, compared to Cincinnati and Denver, it's tough because, you know, there are a lot of people that care. It's a it's the number one story in town, even though the fan base is eroded. Um, and, you know, there there but Compared to other markets, it's honestly so it's so much. They they get away with so much. Oh, all the teams in this market do um, so much because it's not a hard hitting confrontational media base. It just isn't. Um, it, but it, I'm not suggesting that it's weak. I'm not suggesting that everybody's a sissy. I'm just saying that it's not what other markets are. Some of the bigger sports markets are. Kevin, it never has been. Kevin's not doing that. Huh? I, I am. 
What? You're not doing that. Doing what? You're not saying that. Saying what? That they're weak. I, I, I'm no. I'm just saying. I know that's my point. My point is, you're not saying that. Oh, I, I, th- I, I I'm s- saying that. I, you think it's really bad now, like worse than ever. What I'm saying is, I don't think it's ever been tough. I don't think our media oh, market, I, I, sports-wise, I has ever the, been super in tough. In the days when, of of all guys, Lock and Four covered the team, and Jason Reed after him, I think it was a lot tougher. I think Mike Jones did a good job, but you know, look at just. Put it this way, Tommy. How many stories on the team break locally? Yeah, is that right. a is that a big deal anymore? I don't even think it's that big of a deal anymore. But well, it's not a big deal among young reporters, which is one of the problems. And it's not. I'm not just talking about the Redskins. It's funny. I was having this conversation about uh, the uh, baseball writers in press boxes, uh, yeah. you know, and how they've changed. And I was describing how they share information now among different beats with interviews that they do. Not exclusive interviews, but, you know, like post-game interviews. If one, like one guy from a media organization. Well, yeah, was there and gets the sound. He'll right. share it with somebody else, and then it's reciprocated down the road. That never happened when I covered It baseball. happened for me when I was never more happened. on beat. You didn't jobs. make you didn't make your competition's job easier. Oh, I mean, I can remember my first job at Channel Five, and I was covering the Redskins for Buck and for Harvey Smilovitz and Ernie and and all the guys. And I can remember many times, like you know, there'd be Gibbs over here and Doug Williams over here, and they were happening simultaneously, and. I'd grab my cameraman and we'd get Gibbs and then we would just share with Channel 7 or Channel 9. By the way, Channel 4 never shared anything. George didn't share anything with anybody. Well, His George people was didn't. competitive. Yeah, very super, but but it was there was always sort of a community of But my point is it, helping out it, it, not to the point of sharing something exclusive. No, obviously. no, that does not happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen. It's just it's just and and that the mindset of that is there's not this drive to get the exclusive story, however small that exclusive story may be. There's not the drive to beat the other guy that there used to be. There may be that drive on Twitter to beat them on Twitter, but to beat to beat them in some kind of story of in-depth, it's not as important as it, as it used to be, which leaves you to national reporters yeah. uh, take, taking up the slack. I also think that part of it is not this particular fan uh, media base's fault. I think this particular team is very hesitant to have too many local contacts. Like Bruce's contacts primarily are all national guys. Dan, same thing. But that's um, no excuse. I know. It's no excuse. I, I didn't say it was an excuse. No, I, I've been <clears throat> frozen out of situations before. That means you have to work the fringes. There are people who know what's going yeah. on. You just have to find them. But so, so the last thing on Trent Williams for me, and then if you have a uh, a, a closing thought on it, you can share that as well. But it's going to sound like a major waffle. But I think there's a lot that's very unclear. I think most people really don't know exactly what this is about. My guess, based on the you know making calls outside on the fringes yesterday yes. and working the fringes, is that it is more about a new deal and a potential trade outside of, of uh, you know from this team than it is medical but it could be both but i would also suggest to you and again this is a major waffle right now 
that it wouldn't shock me if we get to the beginning of training camp and Trent shows up and says, I'm here, I'm ready, we're all good. We, we worked everything out, I'm ready to go. I just, that, that to me is definitely in play because, and I said this yesterday before the medical thing came out, Trent doesn't like to be at these things for a lot of reasons. And I think maybe the medical and the training may be one of them, but he will show up when, you know, the, the, when training camp starts. See, I think that's more likely. I think it's more likely he's playing left tackle for the Redskins that, come that's week what, one. I'm, week that's one. what I'm saying. I'm saying that that is definitely in play. Yeah, I mean, you say it's in play, but you do think he's going to get traded. No, I'm saying that I think they should try to trade okay. him. I don't know if they will. I'm just saying that that's what I would be thinking about. But remember, I'm coming from the position of I would have blown this whole thing up at the end of December and January, fired everybody, brought right. in a new team, and tried to get as many draft picks for my viable players like Kerrigan and Williams as I could and really bit, tried to build something for the long term. You know, Not that you're not you're trying to be competitive next year because you could have a defense. It's, I mean, look, I mean, Rob Ryan thinks it's a top five defense. Yeah, I know. Isn't, isn't the biggest leverage for Trent, though, uh, Dwayne Haskins? All of it. It's not just Haskins. It's Keenum, too. He's That's new true. to the system. And yeah. Keenum took 34 sacks last year yeah. in Denver. You know, this isn't a guy that just is is really good at getting the ball out and reading defenses and real quick release and the whole thing. He's, he's good at it. Um, but yes, it's about it's it's definitely more about Haskins. Yeah, it's about Keenum to a, to a lesser degree. It's about the fact that their offensive line has no replacement currently for for Williams and how important he is to everything they're going to do this year. You know, in terms of trying to run the ball and then obviously protecting the, one of two new quarterbacks who's going to more, more likely than not play. I don't think. I mean. I don't know that we completely exclude Colt McCoy from the competition at this point, but I think it's a two-man race at this point. It seems to be more a likely than race night, more likely than not. Than at, not. at this point, um, but I, I think that you think it's a probability. I think that it's not a probability, but definitely a possibility. Again, I'm waffling here because I don't know for sure that he could end up showing up at training camp saying, we got everything worked out. It was a whole lot to do about nothing. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. I think the Dwayne Haskins influence will pressure the Redskins to make the deal with with Trent Williams. I do I do not want them to give him a huge contract extension. I don't I would not do that. Well, I wouldn't do it either, but I and I don't know if they will. But I think this will get resolved because of the quarterback. I don't think Bruce wants to give him a long-term deal. I think Bruce doesn't want to give him a long-term deal for, by the way, what I would call legitimate reasons. He's going to be 31. He's injured a lot. He plays injured a lot, but when he plays injured, he's compromised. Um, the, the suspension thing seems to be less of an issue. Nothing's happened since 2016. Uh, but, you know, to, to, he's, got a, he's got a good deal now. Not a great deal, but a in the ballpark with his right. position in, you know, in the league at left tackle deal. I wouldn't give him a, a huge contract extension. But they may, you may be right that they may look at it and say, oh my God, Eric Flowers, Morgan Moses over on that side, Jerron Christian. You know, we don't have a left tackle, and there's nobody out there that can actually protect either one of our quarterbacks. Yeah. And we don't look. Uh, I always think this is overblown with this team, uh, but we don't know the influence that Trent Williams has in, in that locker room and what his absence would mean. Look, lot, guys get traded all the time. 
You know, team leaders leave all the time. Uh, but this is a team that can't afford to lose leadership because every time they, they, they sign a free agent or trade for somebody, they become the new leader in the locker room. Trent Williams is, is legitimately one of the leaders of the team. And they just can't afford to lose much leadership. I agree with that. I mean, right now there are a handful of players that you look at and you're like, they, as a fan of the team, I think they make me, you know, comfortable. You know, John Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Brandon Sheriff, Trent Williams is on that list, no doubt. Um, but, you know, you don't have a lot of them on the team yet that you're comfortable you know, like you said the other day, how often uh, the new guy ends up being, being the leader on the, the team, team leader. Like you read the, that the, tells the, you that they don't have any. The Washington when he shows Post up. was counting on Reuben Foster to be one of the leaders of the team. Yeah. That's 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 so absurd. I'm surprised on social media the reaction after the news broke yesterday. What was it? I'd say, I mean, in my social media uh, accounts, I'd say the majority of Redskins fans said, "Get rid of him, trade him." We I don't want him. I think, I mean, that that's where I was on social media. I just checked some of the, my responses because we, we didn't have this story when we finished the recording, right. the Lock and Fora piece. And I think the, the significant majority is they should have moved on. You're, you're right. You, they should have moved on with him before the draft, well yeah. before the draft, but now they've got to move on from him. If he really and truly doesn't want to play for the Redskins. You've got to trade him. Yeah. You know, you don't want him to be holding out. He doesn't want to hold out. I mean, well, I don't think he, he would. I, I, I mean, mean, again, I don't think he'd hold out. That's a lot of money to leave on the table. I agree. I, I, I do agree, but I... And I think the Redskins could call I, his bluff. I think the Redskins, it, it's one of those situations where they could get... This is the time. If he's not a big part of your long-term plan, now's the time to try to get something for him. But there is no long-term plan for Jay Gruden. Yeah, this this season is just going to be so interesting. <laughs> like, there's so much. Like, are we entering Jay Gruden's final season? If so, why is he the guy that's developing Haskins yeah. or not playing Haskins? What's Kevin O'Connell's role? Is he going to be the next head coach? What about the personnel department? What about, you know, there's a lot. I mean, and then just the individual, you know, this should be the year, the third year that John Allen turns into a monster if he's going to turn into a monster. This should be that year. You know, Deron Payne's second year, he should be significantly improved. Ioannidis has the new deal. Like, defensively, I can't wait, as I've mentioned over and over again, to see Montez Sweat play because apparently he has just embarrassed Eric Flowers, yeah. day, you know, day in and day out. I was at Not that that's saying anything. I was at I know you, you called me and told me. Um, yeah. Did you see anything interesting? Well, I could tell you what. Uh, Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum, they look like NFL quarterbacks. They're big dudes. Well, I mean, uh, well, no, I mean, when they throw the ball. Haskins is just a big dude. Yeah, but when they throw the ball, they look like NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> How's that? You they're, know, I'm not the quarterback whisperer just, like so many people who cover this team are no, you and can tell you all like the that. nuances right. about how good they are. But Dwayne Haskins looks like an NFL quarterback. So does Case Keenum. But there are players this year. I mean, I'm excited to see Landon Collins play. I think he's a really good player. I enjoyed watching him play in New York. Um, I'd like to see Fabian Moreau take the next step. One of the things about Moreau, every single time I've been out there, whether it was in Richmond or out in Ashburn, the one thing that's clear about Moreau is he runs better than any of their corners. That's one you thing. Know? One thing I did see and notice 
is Quentin Dunbar is moving around really well. Okay, good, because I heard the opposite last week. Well, I, from what I saw, he seemed to be pretty fast. Okay, good. And moving well. Um, I, I'm actually intrigued by Alexander and his size and some of the things I've heard people talk about, that he could actually be a legitimate contributor at corner on this team. Who's going to be their slot corner? I mean, right now... You know, it might be it might be Moreau. It could be clearly the seventh round pick Moreland. I will tell you that I had a conversation over the weekend with Cooley. He's going to come on tomorrow, by the way. And Cooley loves Moreland. He's like, look, there are seventh rounders that people will spout off about. You know, like, oh, he really looks good, and then you know he doesn't even make the team, or he's barely on the team. He's like, no, no, no. They they understand that Moreland can play. Like, this dude can actually play, and he's going to contribute in a significant way, potentially even start. He's got, as they say in the business, a nose for the ball. Yeah, and um, apparently uh, Jay Gruden, in talking about him the other day, he can catch. He's got good hands, so he'll return punts. But Trey Quinn, you know, was a seventh-rounder last year, too, somebody that, that Gruden really fell in love with, By and the, what, the, they have high hopes for The him. kid that they got from Ohio State who was Haskins' teammate? McLaurin, yeah. Him and Haskins had a tremendous That's exciting. hookup yesterday to end practice. I've, really tremendous. I've heard some decent things about the way Doxon looks so far this year and the attitude that he has this year, which some people think is much better. Um, right now, you look at it offensively, major question marks everywhere, right? A quarterback, offensive line, certainly, you know, even more so with Trent Williams today. You know, is Geis going to be the guy? Will he be, the, you know, even if he's fully healthy? I wasn't a massive fan of Geis. Not that I didn't like him. Um, I just liked more running backs more. But will he be the guy or will it be AP carrying the load? You know, hopefully Chris Thompson is healthy because he's such a weapon. He's such a valuable part of the offense. You know, uh, Ryan O'Halloran, who used to be yeah. at the Washington Times. Jacksonville now? Uh, no, he's in Denver. Oh, he's, he's been in Denver, Denver the last I couple of years. I did know that, yes. Yeah, and he covered Case Keenum last year, and he was on 106.7 The Fan, and basically he said, you know, the best of Case Keenum is when he throws the ball less, which, when you think about it, was the Alex Smith offense last year. Yeah. That was exactly it. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it it was it was a quarterback who can protect the ball, uh, you know, maybe throw it twenty times a game at the most, and you let your defense and your running game win games for you. I mean, it seems to be like the only chance that they've got again this year. What what happens if Case Keenum starts the year? But the intention is, you know, which a lot of the beat guys in town have said, you know, week five, week six, that Miami game after the Patriot game might be the spot for Haskins to get his start. But what if they lose a close game at Philadelphia, come home, beat the Cowboys and the Bears at home? Oh. Or or split and then beat the Giants. And they're 2-2, two and two, and then they got a, a real tight game but a close game with the Patriots. And through five games, they look at 2-3 and three or 3-2, three and two, they look like a team that could compete for the postseason, especially going into a stretch where you're going to play Miami and San Francisco in the following weeks. Who knows what they'll look like by the time you get there. But... What do you do? This, this is the dilemma. It's like, Jay, does Jay have to get to the playoffs, or does Jay have to develop Dwayne Haskins? And here's the, here's, here's the real dilemma there. If you find yourself in that situation, the owner and Haskins and Haskins can't really say, okay, it's time for us to start. They can't. They can't do that. They'll, they'll lose the locker room. Jay, I don't think Jay would put up with that. I think if, if you the, the scenario that you painted just now, 
if after that, you know, the plan was to, okay, let's start. The owner says, I want to play my quarterback now. You can't do that. This is why the risk of playing uh, Keenum. Keenum at the beginning is he's good. <laughs> well, it's not just that if he's good, it's as if he's doing the things that just, let's say, Alex Smith was doing, yeah. not losing games, managing games, not well, that's throwing what interceptions, I mean by good. and they're winning, you know, some close games and pulling them out at the end and getting some breaks with field goal kickers like the Cowboy kicker missing to force overtime and all of that stuff breaks their way, and they're sitting there at three and two, heading to Miami. Yeah, and this was supposed to be the week for Haskins. Then, then for H and H. Then you're riding the Case Keenum train, or else you've got to you got to revolt in the in the in the locker room. The, here's what they all. Here's what Dan and Bruce are praying for. And by the way, they don't have to pray for anything because they can just do what they want. Yeah, if they want to do it. But what they're really praying for is that Haskins beats out Keenum. Oh, yeah. And Colt McCoy. And it's obvious. And it's obvious. And it's obvious. Or, worst case, they're hoping for something that, you know, is super close. And Jay says, it's close enough. Let's put the kid out there yeah. because this is the long term plan. Let's get him 16 games instead of 11. Um, and then they play well and they're good defensively and they're running the ball and they're taking the pressure off him early in the season. And they've got, you know, you still look at it and you say, who's he going to throw to? Well, maybe it is McLaurin. Maybe it is Kelvin Harmon. Maybe it is, it is Josh Doxson and Trey Quinn. And maybe Geis is great. And maybe Wes uh, Martin turns out to be an outstanding guard opposite Sheriff. But and Trent Williams was fine with all of this. And he there comes you go. Back. You're not taking the pressure <laughs> off him without Trent Williams at left tackle. <sighs> yeah. you know, and, and you're not running the ball? Like you did last year. Trent Williams gets Trent beat Williams. every once in a while. Just let's not let's not act like he's never gotten beaten. Before. I get that. They all do. Um that's what they're hoping for. And you know what? If you're a fan of this team and you just want a quick change of fortune, like you want somehow them to luck into the winning and then the culture can come following that. It usually <laughs> doesn't work that way. But you need Haskins, and you need the defense to be what we think it could be, and you need Haskins to come out slinging it, Tommy, from the get-go. And they're sitting there at, at you know through the first four games, they're two and two, and they got a game at home against the Patriots. Wow, <laughs> this is what I do every year. Every the, the last five years, when I've been incredibly realistic, much more so than I used oh, to be. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just not going to happen. Look, it's a mess out there, everybody. You know, but once we start to inch towards the beginning of the season, I'm thinking, well, how, maybe. how do we get to like a meaningful game in at Thanksgiving weekend or there in December? Go. There you go. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. <laughs> um, all right. Quick word about Window Nation, and then we'll get to the NBA playoffs. All right, you ready to fire up that grill for the summer? Well, Window Nation's already fired up their summer savings opportunity. Buy one, get one free. Window Nation's absolute best offer has been back, and it's back for one final week. Buy one window, get the second free. Buy two, get two free. Buy four, get four free. There's no limit. Plus, you'll get 0% interest for five full years. There's even more to this deal. Call today. Get a free in-home quote. There's no risk. Call them up. Tell them Kevin Sheehan told you to call. Ask for Harley or Aaron or Eric. Tell them you heard it on the podcast. Tell them that you want a free in-home quote, and you'll get a pair of tickets to Hershey Park while supplies last. 
Window Nation, though, comes out the next day. They'll come out within 24 hours. Any day of the week you want, including Sunday, with exact pricing as part of their in-home quote, not just an estimate. Backed by Window Nation's A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, you're guaranteed the best value or they'll pay you $250. But you've got to act fast. Window Nation's sizzling savings ends on Sunday. Call today. Buy one window, get one free. There's no limit. Plus, get 0% interest for five years and bonus tickets to Hershey Park. Call today, 866-90NATION, or go to windownation.com. All right, let's get to the NBA Finals last night. I know that you wrote a column basically saying that nobody cares about sports anymore. Well, something that's not that exactly effect. what I wrote. <laughs> what did you write? I basically said that sports fans are disappearing, and it's got people in the business in a panic because they really don't know where they're going. They, they don't know where they are. Netflix. Uh, Amazon Prime. Again. Well, I'm sure, look, there, there's a laundry list of, of possibilities. Lots of reasons. But uh, you could have a generation that is growing up that just isn't as passionate as, as we were. Isn't everything sort of niche now? Almost everything in entertainment. That's, that, that's a good argument. You know, relative to the way it used to be. Yeah, uh, the dominance, the dominance maybe maybe God, but like every look at the numbers. And part of the problem is with with viewing numbers is they haven't figured out a way to accurately view how many people are watching on their tablets, their iPhones, their computers, and stuff. And even if they do, they haven't figured out a way to make money off of it yet. Uh, but the TV numbers for everybody, including the NFL, are down. Well, they're I mean, up. They're up over the over year the, the yeah the over Trump the national year. anthem uh, protest yeah, year. Right, exactly. But the three previous That's years, they're they're down from that. Now it's still like I've said, it's still the nicest house in a neighborhood with with dropping property values. Everyone wants to be still on the NFL. They still want to add. It's not stopping advertisers, but people. Not as many people are going to sporting events. Not as many people are watching it on television, and TV execs. <clears throat> And guys like Ted Leonsis are convinced that gambling is going gonna, is, is gonna to be the flex seal that, that's going to stop the leaking. Yeah. And I think you were the first one to, to open my eyes to this, that it's not going to be a game-changing lifestyle uh, move for a lot of people. All, you're not going to have a country of, of fans lining up at betting windows who, who, who didn't bet before exactly. to bet. Exactly. That's the That's the thing about the legalization of sports betting is that you know it essentially was available to anybody who wanted to gamble long before it was legalized so those people have always been gambling now there's always younger people that are getting into it and maybe have more access to it and the casual better but as i mentioned to you a few weeks ago and we're getting sidetracked because i do want to get to the game but the the casual better you know the the guy that's never had access to a bookie or to online gambling um that now has access to it Trust me, it's one of the reasons we've seen in some of these states the initial numbers after legalization uh, of sports betting aren't anywhere near the target numbers. It's because they're betting casually, and they're betting lower amounts, and they're not betting on credit. So if you don't have credit, you're not going to fire in a, you know, a nickel on a game. Nickel's 500 <laughs> bucks, by the way. They're betting 10 bucks a game, you know, 15 bucks a game. That's not moving the no. revenue needle much. Um, but anyway, on so the, that that was. Did the you point watch of, the game last night? Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't watch it. I really, I'm sorry, Kevin. Are you you're not into it at all? No, I, I watched game one, uh, and I watched some of game two. Yeah. 
but uh, I just did you watch the game, Aaron? I did. Yes. I don't. I don't know what it is about this series, but I'm enjoying it. I think it's first of all, it's the first time in you know several years we haven't had the same two teams, right? And you know, you know me, I'm a huge Kawhi Leonard fan. But I think these three games have been highly entertaining. They've all been different and weird. And last night, you know, taking the night chronologically, and I know Aaron was following this because Aaron, like me, is a better and has been a better and didn't need the legalization of betting <laughs> to stop us from wagering on games. But Clay Thompson was ruled out. What time exactly? Was it around 8.30, 8.35, something like that? It, I might have even been a little later than that. But, yeah, in that 8.30 to 8.45 window. The game tipped it you know, shortly after 9. And, by the way, Metallica, national anthem, outstanding. Um, did you like it? It was. I actually missed that part. Okay. But, uh, uh, no, the, but before that, there was a report around 8 o'clock or so that said he was playing. That he was going to play. Anyway, when the official word came out on Clay Thompson that he wasn't playing, the line dropped to three, two and a half. The Golden State was a five and a half point favorite. It was inching down all day, and it went to two and a half. I, I don't know where where you got it. I played Toronto last night. I ended up by the time I played it, I played it at plus three. I, I played it way too late. I should have jumped on it early. I, I thought Clay Thompson was going to play. I really did last night, but that was interesting to watch that. Um, then. Steph Curry's first quarter last night is one of the great all-time first quarters by an individual player you will ever see. 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists in 12 minutes That's pretty of play. Good. He was unbelievable. And I thought, but, but I'm, I, I will mention this, and my son would back me up on this. My son was over at a friend's house watching this, and my son has said, this is Corbin, um, Aaron, has said since the playoffs started, nobody's going to beat Golden State best four out of seven, and even when they lost Durant, there's no way Toronto can win this series. I texted him at 15-7. to seven. It was 15-7 to seven in the first quarter. Toronto was up, and I said, the Warriors have no chance tonight. No chance. I, I should have in-game bet um, at that point, and I didn't, but whatever. That's beside the point. It was clear to me that it was going to be have to be all Curry, and there was no way this could was sustainable over you know 48 minutes, even though he was brilliant in that first quarter. But um, it was gr- an incredible performance. But Toronto's best games of the playoffs – haven't been the games in which Kawhi Leonard's had 35 to 40 plus. You know, they've won some of those games because of him and he's had to carry him, but their most impressive team performances and their best wins in terms of blowout wins have been when he hasn't had to do it all by himself. And last night was an incredible team performance. Lowry and Green, Danny Green, went a combined 11 for 19 from behind the arc. Just shooting it, Tommy. Just shooting it. Just shooting it. A lot of that, by the way, set up by Leonard, especially Green's threes. He was outstanding, Danny Green was last night. And by the way, interestingly, didn't start the second half of the game. They went with a different lineup, and then he came in and started bombing it again. Gasol last night, Siakam, combined for 14 of 27 from the floor. And they combined for 16 rebounds and 10 assists. Van Vliet, 3 for 6 off the bench from behind the arc. And how about Serge Ibaka? Six blocked shots in 22 minutes. Bill Russell numbers <laughs> from Ibaka last night. A few of them I thought were goaltending. Um, I, in fact, I don't think the NBA calls goaltending anymore. It's amazing. Unless the balls hit the backboard and then you get a block. Yeah. But the old 
did it reach its apex and is it uh, coming is it down? Coming down? Yeah. Uh, because it looked like the three of the, the blocks by surge were shots that were coming down. Anyway, the the team Toronto, I don't think they were going to get beat last night, even if Clay Thompson played. Really, uh, they were incredible. Now Thompson's defense would have been a major factor in the game. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, in addition to all the other great performances, Kawhi just had 30.7 rebounds, six assists, two block shots, and two steals. You know, and by the way, just an ordinary night. He was great, though. He does so many things that help your team. But I just thought it was one of those games that we've seen Toronto play against Milwaukee. We've seen him play against Philadelphia, where everybody's got it in rhythm, and they're really difficult to beat. Tommy, it's a really good basketball team potential-wise each night with the players they have. They've got really good players who, when they're stepping up and the ball's moving and they're knocking down shots like they did last night, they ended up with six or seven players in double figures. You know, even healthy, they'd be a tough out against Golden State. So is it set up for Kevin Durant to come back and save? Maybe. The Warriors, maybe so th- that narrative where that would would be best case scenario the, for Kevin Durant. The best case for for Kevin uh, Durant was that they lost last night and fell behind two games to one, and, and he's legitimately ready to play game yeah, four. He has to be ready to play. What would even be better is if he, they lost game four and he came in for game five and let him from three one down. Yeah, that would come be even better, but that would it, it'd be hard to to uh, it's hard to beat a team three straight. I mean, they they need. They definitely, they definitely have to have Clay Thompson in game, game yes, four, even if they don't have Durant. Because what was clear last night was that without Thompson and Durant, they don't have a chance to beat Toronto. There, there's just not much of a well, chance. That's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. They've got good players, though. I mean, Draymond I know, Green. You know, but they, that's, they, they, that's asking a lot. Um, two superstar players. Boogie Cousins, you know, after playing very Did, well in game two. Didn't have a very two. good game from what yeah, I Yeah, I mean, he's, he doesn't have his wind. He's not in shape. Yeah, but plus he's he's always been inconsistent. He's not a guy you can count on. Like I said, this was the perfect scenario the other night. Yeah. Is, is you, you, you use him sporadically. I mean, with, with Thompson out, you, you needed production from uh, Cousins. You needed to count on him. I actually think Bogut's played well in his minutes here over the, in this series, you know, and can give him more if they allow him to give him more. But um, they have to have Thompson back for Game Four. By the way, just back to Curry for a moment. He had forty-seven points, you know, in the game last night. Um, I don't know how many games over the years the Warriors have had with just Steph and Draymond and no Clay Thompson or Durant. I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, and I don't know that they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. I would love to know how they've performed because as great as Steph is, and he's great, he's all-time top 10 easily in my view. Um, unlike LeBron, all right, LeBron would be the, the best example of this, he can't carry a team by himself over a good team. He can't do In a that. championship s- situation? Yeah, I mean, Curry last night had 47 points. Well, LeBron hasn't done it. LeBron hasn't done it. No, you're right. Uh, LeBron hasn't done it by himself. But right. he's. we've seen like that. The, the, the best performance, I think one of the greatest performances of all time from LeBron was the game six that they had to win in Boston to stay alive when he was in Miami. And he went for 45. And I know they had other players on the floor, but he was just unbelievable. That was the first like super clutch performance by LeBron. But Curry last night was as aggressive as you'll ever see him. 
He never stopped moving. He had 25 at halftime, 40 at the end of the third. He started to run out of gas. He played 43, 44 minutes last night. He did not rest, I don't think, in the second half. I think I don't think he sat in the second half. But he single-handedly kept them within striking distance multiple times last night. But he can't, there's no, they have no chance of beating Toronto without getting Klay Thompson back. I agree with that. And then, you know, potentially they might need Durant as well. I think if Klay Thompson comes back, they'll win game four. And then it's a best two out of three. And I would still think that the Warriors, even if Durant doesn't play, would have a chance. I agree with that too. Um, uh, you know, game four is tomorrow night. I mean, it's a, this is the shortest turnaround in the series, Wednesday night to Friday night. And then they wait until uh, Monday to play the next game. There's no Saturday or Sunday night game. I don't know why that would be, Tommy. Wouldn't I thought Sunday, now they have to travel, okay, so they've got to go from Golden State back to Toronto after the Friday night game. But I, I would think that Sunday night would have been the target for this next game. It's odd to me that they're waiting until Monday night. Um, but anyway, uh, it's probably the travel day for everybody. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, interesting series. And Toronto's really, really good. They've got really good players. There was a moment last night where Kyle Lowry went into the crowd. Did you see this? And he got pushed by a fan. No. So loose ball. He's, you know, floor seat guy. You know, he basically runs through the floor seats um, trying to save a ball uh, inbounds. And as he's trying to get back on his feet, one of the guys that has a floor seat pushes him. Really? Just pushes him and then starts lipping off at him. And, and Lowry was really thought, upset, and the, and the fan did get booted out and will not be able to attend another game in this series. I don't what know. provokes a guy to do that? He did a moment? It, it's, it's funny because there, there it is. It's right. You, you, it, they just showed it. We have a TV on here, and it's perfect timing. See the guy? He, yeah. You just missed. He pushed, and now he's lipping off. Now he's mouthing off at Lowry. So, by the way, it wasn't like this hard, super hard push. It's not like the put, guy. You can't purposely put your, put your hands on a and player. And this guy did. Yeah. This guy did. Um, but anyway, uh, I, whatever. It's it, idiots. I you mean, ever been kicked out of a sporting event? Yes. Tell me the story, Kevin. <laughs> Tell me the story. Well, it wasn't It wasn't my fault. I, I, I was at a Caps game. 20 years ago, probably. Was um, it at the uh, Capitol Center? Was at, it was at the Capitol Center. Okay. So it was probably, it was more, more than, than 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. So it may have been 23, 24 years ago. It was mid 90s, okay. you know, mid to late 90s before they'd moved into the new building. And um, I think I've told you this story before because somehow this came up with, you know, different scraps that we've gotten into. Um, but the, the, there were the, we were in the, we were in the upper level. There was the first row of the upper level, and there were like uh, there was a guy with his girlfriend there or his date, and she was drop dead gorgeous. They were sitting um, right in front of us, and I was there with with actually clients, business okay. clients. And then two rows behind us were a bunch of out of control drunk, you know, drunk dudes. All right, and they were. It started off with them just making comments about her, loud comments, and you know, dude, what do you, how, how'd you end up with her, and yeah. the whole thing, and you know, the, he smiled and laughed the first time, but then it just got more obnoxious as the night went on, to the point where it then became like they were confronting this dude, yeah, who was with his date, and we were in between. So anyway, I just turned around and basically said, "Shut the fuck up." 
uh-huh. to, to the one guy that was lipping off, who was a small guy. And there was a row in between, and they were hammered. And we were pretty hammered, too, by the way. And he just sort of led with his chin as he, oh, stum- okay. as he stumbled over coming after me. And I'm telling you, Tommy, and I, I've been in these situations with other friends who have gotten... I've been with friends of mine who have gotten in in into beefs at sporting events, and they've gotten kicked out, but I've been saved somehow. <laughs> but this one was basically the yellow coats were up there before all of these dudes were heading towards me after the first guy went down. Yeah. Um, and the yellow coats were there and they sent us out. They took me and threw me out of the arena on one side. My biggest concern is I got thrown out by myself and they were throwing out three or four of their guys on the other side of the arena. I can't remember where I was parked, whether it was Eagle or Stars and Stripes. Remember the parking lot? you didn't want these guys to run into you out in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the parking lot uh, areas at, at Capitol Center? And I just remember, I think my car was like on the other side from where they threw me out. So I was trying to make sure that I did not run into them again in the parking lot, which, by the way, wasn't exactly smart. But they just got, they got us out of the arena. So yeah. yes, that was there was another time too. I got thrown out. Oh, it's I got tw- thrown twice. out of I got thrown out of a baseball game. I got thrown out of uh, a major Cam- league game. Camden Yards. Did you really? Yeah, it wasn't my fault again. Like this one wasn't my fault. The other one was just a bunch of knucklehead friends, and everybody was just way too lubed up. And you got thrown out. Yeah, we got thrown out. But that that again, it was a it there was a fight that started. I was not. I was involved only that my friends were involved yeah. in the fight. I was trying to steer clear of this one because these dudes were. The, the, I mean, one of my friends got his ass kicked during the, and we were all trying to participate but not trying to totally participate. <laughs> and uh, they just took both, you know, groups and just tossed us, tossed us. I got thrown out of, I guess, I'm going to call it a sporting event. Uh, it was a wrestling match <laughs> in Miami Beach Auditorium. Uh, I spent the summers of 68 and 69 with my sister in Miami. She lived in Miami then. And I would go down and spend the summer with it. Great summers. Yeah. And she was married. You know, my brother-in-law was a big guy, uh, looked like a wrestler. This was well after you burnt the fraternity house. Oh, down. no. This is, this. I'm 14. Oh, oh, I'm, oh you're 14. I'm 14 years and old. So you had yet to burn your fraternity yeah. house down. Yeah. This is when I'm just going down to visit my sister. So my brother-in-law. My favorite story ever. Takes me to a, a, a wrestling match at Miami Beach Auditorium. And we have ringside seats. He's got great seats. And he's pounding down the beers. I mean, up up until the main event. And the main event, I think, was Hans Mortier against uh, Joe Scarpa, mm-hmm. who later turned out to be Chief J. Strongbow. Uh, but he was known as Joe Scarpa then. And uh, my brother-in-law is drunk at this point. And uh, like I said, he's a big guy. So they, they hit each other at one point. Uh, not no. The two wrestlers punch each other and supposedly knock each other out. Mm-hmm. So one of them, Hans Mortier, his head is right by the ring apron at the right outside the the ring. My brother-in-law jumps up from his chair, runs over to the ring, takes a penny and slaps it on the mat right next to this guy's head, the wrestler's head, and yells, "Here, that's all this match was worth." <laughs> well, the wrestler rolls away like he got hit. The fans just just 
cover us. I mean, like the, the whole arena just came, All hell breaks came down on yeah. us. There, there's, you know, there's, there's security trying to protect us from the fans who think my brother-in-law is a wrestler. And it's just, it's just chaos. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I'm 14 years right. old. And I just got, and got you, kicked out of a wrestling and match. You, and you like the action already at yeah. 14. Yeah, because my, my brother-in-law, <laughs> everyone thinks my brother-in-law tried to beat up one of the wrestlers. That's pretty funny. Now, the only scary part was after after we got kicked out, my brother-in-law kept hanging around the dressing room outside. Oh, he was looking for more? Yeah, he, he oh, wanted that, more. That's not that smart. was not smart. <laughs> no, especially, so eventually, especially I, with you. Yeah, eventually we talked him into leaving. But I was 14. I was a kid. I know, but he had to. He was. It, it, it appears as if he didn't have your best interest in oh, mind. Oh no, no, no! But he <laughs> gave he me a hell of a story. Up. That's the only time I've ever been kicked out. That's pretty funny. The um the, the the funny thing about my Capital Center story is that I got kicked out by myself because the people who I was there with, when it when it started to escalate. They left. <laughs> Your clients. <laughs> yeah, they didn't stick. And one of the guys was a good friend of mine, like a really good friend of mine. And like, you know, it, was, it wasn't even the cell phone days. It was like the pager days. And I paged him, and then we ended up talking the next day, I guess. And I'm like, where'd you go? And he goes, oh, man, you know, I, I, I just thought I, I, I could help you from being, you know, down on the lower level. I'm like, no, I needed your help there. <laughs> Not down on the concourse level, but um, that's funny. By the way, boys and girls, just turn the other cheek yeah. and move on. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And, these and, days. and you can get a pretty good sense that trouble's going to happen a lot earlier than it does. <laughs> exactly. So take steps to protect yourself. Right. Um, and don't put your hands on any players. Don't put your hands on players if you're sitting in the floor seats. So those would be your seats anyway. Uh, yeah. By the way, I asked somebody who covers the Wizards yesterday who was at the Redskins practice, if they ever hire a new GM, uh, does that mean they'd ha- the GM would want a new PR director? Scott Hall's excellent. Uh, but if they hired a new PR director, that means I would go- start going to Wizards Well, maybe the again. new PR person won't like you either. Well, that may be. I can't fathom how anyone wouldn't like me. Well, so I don't think that Scott Hall has a problem with you. I think you no, just... I, I, I have a problem with him. My <laughs> point is, a general manager... Scott, would, I love you. A general manager would, would likely bring in a new PR guy. That This could bode well for Tommy. That's that's true. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. That would be smart, in but fact. But Ernie had multiple PR people. He had Zach yes. for a while. Yes. And then Zach left to take what was, you know, an NFL job with the Redskins and then realized that Well, it wasn't an NFL job. <laughs> well, it, was it was with a Redskins the Redskins. Job. Yeah. Um Zach's at Mason now. Yes, he George, is. George Mason. Yeah, he's uh, some kind of bigwig there. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I could see that coming. Um, how about the Nats, Tommy? I mean, this is a team now, eight of ten. Now Philly won yesterday. Philly's all of a sudden won two in a row. And by the way, Harper's gotten, you know, better here over the yeah. last couple of weeks. Um, but th- this is obviously a completely different team during this stretch. And last, you know, yesterday, the game was yesterday. After they blew a lead, uh, you know, in the in the eighth with in the, the eighth bullpen. In, that's their that's their inning. That's their inning. Um, they came back, and you know, you got a a, a, a trade Turner walk off homer, two run shot. To Look win at it, six, what the, I think they won four series, four in a row. series in a row, including I mean, two two game series that they swept, yeah, Atlanta which, and Chicago, which which is the way you climb back into it. I think they're only six uh, out of first place now. Uh, as as I think it's still six and a half. I think it might be six. I think it's still Aaron. Six and what? A half. How far back are they? Are are, are the Nats right now? 
six and a half. Okay. They're six and a half. Yep. So, uh, I mean, they're still within, within, you know, striking distance. Uh, I still think there's a lot that has to happen over the course of a season, not just to climb back, but to stay ahead. I still think it's a, it's a big ask for this team. And here's the problem. Craig Kimball just got signed by the, by the Chicago Cubs. Yep. Okay, now the one saving grace is no, but none of your competitors in the East signed them. The problem is you could have used them uh, in, in, in the Nats bullpen. The bigger issue is will the learners finally, like they've never done before, let Mike Rizzo make trades at the trading deadline. If they're let's say they're six and a half out of first place on July thirty first, okay, at the trading deadline, you want them to be buyers, right? Yeah, the, and 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 in other words, well, spend money on bringing in talented players who will help you win. The learners have never been willing to do that. All the deals that they've allowed Rizzo to make at the trading deadline. They've been deals where Rizzo had to jump through hoops financially to get them done. Right. I mean, the, the the most famous is is the Papelbon trade, where they needed a closer, and they got the Phillies to trade Papelbon, but the Phillies paid for his salary for the rest of the year. That's the way the learners operate. They 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 have to be aggressive buyers at the trading deadline if they find themselves anywhere within striking distance of first place. Do you agree with the following? Let's assume for a moment that they are in that, you know, three to six game behind Philly or Atlanta at the trade deadline. We've got a long way to go. They could be in first place at that point. But let's just assume that that's the case. And they don't make a, a move. Um, but they, they're playing well. And let's just say they're three games back, four games back at that point. And they don't add, you know, any bullpen help um, for the stretch. Do you agree that there's just no chance that with a bullpen with an ERA over six or wherever theirs is, like six and a half or whatever it is, that there's no chance of them actually winning a series or even what would be their maximum upside? Winning the division in this particular division? Could they win this division with a terrible bullpen? I don't think so. Okay. I, I think you're probably right because history would say that, I believe. I yeah. think I was reading something the other day. I don't day. think so. And I guarantee you the Phillies will make a, a, a trade at the trading deadline to help themselves. And the Braves may make a, a trade at the deadline to help themselves as well. Not only does it help you on the field, it's an emotional lift to the clubhouse. It tells the clubhouse that ownership is committed to, to winning, I, the one that comes to mind is the '93 Orioles. Uh, were in, uh, I think it was the '93 Orioles. Were in an NL East race with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, they were they were right there with them at the trading deadline. They might have been four or five games behind the Blue Jays, the defending champs. They competed with them really well that year. And it's a trading deadline, and Ricky Henderson is on the trading block from Oakland. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, you know who was going to get him. The Blue Jays get Ricky Henderson. The Orioles get Mike Pagliarulo. And you, really, you could feel you could feel it in the locker room. No offense to Mike, but uh, if you brought Ricky Henderson into that locker room, that would have that would have changed the dynamic uh, at at that point. Players look for that kind of commitment, and they have yet to get it at a trading deadline for a pennant stretch from the learners. All right, there you go. I mean, they they um they have now a bit of a road trip. I think they're heading to San Diego. Yes, they are. Um, which is where I think the Phillies just were. Um, 
So they've got that coming up, you know, against the Padres, who are pretty good. The Dodgers are running away with that division. Oh my right gosh! Now. I mean, right? They're so good. They're really good. Um, so they got that, and then I think they play. They return the favor in Chicago against the White Sox. I think is what happens after San Diego. Really? Okay. Yeah, because I think it was two and two, two at home, okay, two on the road, and I guess we're getting we're probably getting pretty close to the first games against Baltimore, right? Aren't they usually uh, I, in June? I, I think that I think that's a while. Is it a while? Yeah, I thought usually the first series against Baltimore is in June. I think they got the Phillies at home be- way before that. Oh, you're right. The first two at Baltimore are in July, yeah. and then where are the two at home against Baltimore? Do they only play Baltimore twice and on the road? That that can't be right, is it? They played them twice at home, usually, and twice on the road. Right. I'm looking at their schedule. Aaron, help me with uh, this. End of the end of August, they play them at home. Oh, they play them end of August at home. Okay. Um, well, I was saying to Aaron yesterday, it would just be cool to have a, a legitimate pennant race in August and September, and, and that's what they're working their way, way back towards at this point. Uh, quick word about stamps.com. No one really has much time to go to the post office, especially small businesses that are growing, and stamps.com is perfect for you if you are in a small business. It eliminates trips to the post office, saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail's ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Saves you time and money. It's no wonder that over 700,000 small businesses are already using stamps.com. Now, right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and use my code, enter KevinDC, K-V-I-N-D-C. That's stamps.com, KevinDC. All right, a couple of things to finish up with. Um, First of all, the uh, ACC Big Ten schedule uh, is out for for basketball. Um, I think I've mentioned a couple of times, Tommy, I don't know if you've been on, Maryland is going to, based on all of the early top 25 you know polls after all of the recruiting right. and all of the players they're that were be good. going to the NBA or not going to the NBA or trying to go they're going to be ranked really high like top 10 yeah. no worse than top 10 more likely i've seen them as high as number 5 preseason now the big 10's loaded coming back i mean michigan state's a a, a preseason number 1 or number 2 virtually everywhere um, Michigan's good. Ohio State's good. Yeah, a lot got, of good teams. You got in the Bayline out of out of uh, Michigan, right? So. Um, Maryland's AC, ACC opponent. I hate saying that. It just bothers me to say Maryland's ACC opponent. Oh, it should it should bother you? It's going to be Notre Dame. I don't want them to play Notre Dame. I want them to play 
North Carolina or Duke, which just seems to not be in the cards. Uh, well, for... look, at Krzyzewski made his feelings clear. You're never playing Duke. I think that that's – I think he probably has some yeah. control over the yeah. ACC Big Ten ch- Challenge. But uh, I note, when we played – Aaron, who we, we've played Pitt. We've played Syracuse. We have played – who else? Virginia and no- North Carolina they've played. Virginia twice, North Carolina, and then Pitt and Syracuse. Because it's five years in the Big Ten, right? Yeah, sounds right. Can you believe that? It's already been five years. Um, I want to play an ACC rival. I want to play an old ACC rival. I don't care. You know what? Would you rather play Wake Forest? I'd rather play Wake Forest. Really? Oh, much rather play Wake Forest than Notre Dame. I'd rather play NC State than Notre Dame. I'd rather play. Well, we've already played Virginia twice. I would much rather play Clemson than Notre Dame. Give me a real ACC rival. I was thinking that it wouldn't be Virginia this year, and it might not be North Carolina and Duke, and so. Like Florida State, I would rather play Florida State because they're supposed to be good next year. Is Notre Dame supposed to be good? or I don't think no, they are. No, I, I think they're supposed to be towards the bottom of the league. Ugh. How about Louisville? Louisville would have been good, even though it's not your classic rival. It would have been a good matchup. I would have rather played Louisville, but I, I wanted, yeah, but I wanted it, it, an it's, ACC it's, rival. But it's a win. It's a win for you guys. I don't know if it's a win that early in the season. It's you know early December. I'm looking at the matchup. So Duke's going to play Michigan State. Michigan's playing Louisville. Who's Florida State playing? Indiana. And Carolina's got Ohio State. Uh, is Ohio State Ohio State supposed to be really good next year? But Maryland, I think, has been ranked, will be ranked higher than, than Ohio State, Probably. right? Probably. Virginia's got Purdue. All right. There you go. Nothing speaks ACC yeah. Big Ten like Notre Dame, Maryland. <laughs> no, Notre Dame representing the ACC against Maryland representing the Big Ten. Who would have thought that a right. decade ago? That says everything about what's happened to college basketball. You know, there was a time when Digger was at Notre Dame and Lefty was at Maryland that Maryland played Notre Dame every year. They played them every single year. It was a rivalry. It was a an outside-the-conference rivalry. Notre Dame recruited the hell out oh, of the I DC remember, area. Or, 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 you know, Austin Carr. Yeah, but then Adrian Dantley. Right, Adrian Dantley. Donald look, Duck Williams and I, all the players that came from I here. remember when – look, I remember Digger Phelps when he coached at Fordham. Yeah, You know, and I had don't. a great player named Charlie Elverton. And then he got hired at Notre Dame, and I remember the John Shoemate days. Yeah, back the Shoemate at, and Dantley. Yeah, back that's, at, that's the first team I back remember. Back at Notre Dame, they were really good. They oh, were yeah. a fun team to they, watch. They broke UCLA's yeah. win streak. I remember the, the early digger days, absolutely. Um, and it was actually, it would be like one of those big, high-profile, you know, uh, interconference, you know, interconference matchups, and it was well, always Dame, always nationally televised. Notre Dame had cachet, even in basketball. Yeah, and then. Maryland did too. You know, yeah. um, so those were big games. Um, by the way, also on college basketball, they officially moved the three point line back to the international distance, which I'm thrilled about. It's been too close. You don't need the NBA level, but they should. College basketball should have had and should have been playing all along at the international distance, which is. 22 feet, one and three quarter inches. So I think it's like a foot and change beyond. I'd like them to move it to the harbor. I know you would. <laughs> that's where I'd like it to go. Um, so that's that's good. Here, here's the thing on Maryland, though. They needed a good opponent there because the rest of the non-conference schedule is not that they do, good. They do play Seton Hall again, right? They, they play, you know, they Seton, play, Hall, Seton Hall is going to be a top 15, top 20 team. They, they play fine. Seton Hall is the best. They play George Mason and Rhode Island. Ugh. The the Advocare Invitational is Marquette and Temple and Texas A&M and USC, all fine teams, but they needed a good marquee game Wait, there. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, which... which um, That's Orlando. So, so we're playing in the Orlando thing Thanksgiving? Yes. Right, okay. 
That you know what? That's better than nothing. Than something that's going to be shown on CBS Sports Network. Yeah, because that's usually w- what they've played in recently. Who's in that field again? That's uh, USC, Texas A&M, Temple, Marquette, Harvard, Davidson, and is that Fordham? Um, I mean, Marquette losing, you know, the, Fairfield. Marquette's not going to be as good coming back, right? Because they, right, they, they lost had the those transfers, guys. Housers, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, what else you got for me? I got nothing else. You got nothing else? No. Okay. I got a big actually tonight. You know, after I leave here, I got to go write my column uh, about this the the new the new Redskin stability, and then uh, after that, I'm going to speak to the university club tonight about the DC Grace. It's your kind of crowd. <laughs> the U Club is Tommy's kind of crowd. <laughs> um, that'll be great. Yeah, that'll be great. So I got I got a busy maybe, day ahead. Of maybe me. they'll invite you to be a member. Oh, maybe I would. Wouldn't that be sad? Listen, listen. <laughs> I teach at Georgetown. There are enough people spinning in their graves who know me over that. To be a university club that, member, that's different I, that, than could, being a university. I, club I member. could retire then. All right. Well, uh, enjoy. Are you on? You've already been on with Chad this week. Are you on with Andy? Saturday I actually, morning? I wasn't on with Chad this week because we were. I was preempted okay. due to the day baseball game yesterday. But I'm on with Andy Saturday, Sunday morning. Okay. On 106.7 The Fan. Great day. Enjoyed it. Uh, Trent Williams, who knows? Maybe there'll be more on this tomorrow. Yeah. Cooley's going to call in. He's out in Wyoming. Um, he's already started his summer Wyoming trip, but he's gonna. he said he'll call in tomorrow. Uh, and we'll get his thoughts on Trent Williams uh, tomorrow. So tune in for that. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the day. Um, back tomorrow.